Hey, welcome to More Than Bread. I'm Dan, and I'm your host for this daily, or at least Monday through Friday, or whenever you listen to it, five days a week, dive into Scripture. I've been a pastor for 35 plus years, and I know that sounds kind of old, and sometimes it certainly feels kind of old, but but over the course of those years, I have grown to love the Word of God, actually going way back beyond that. I, I grew up with parents, parents who raised me to love the Word of God. So More Than Bread is a podcast that unabashedly, without embarrassment, says that scripture is even better than sliced bread. The title of the podcast comes from something once said in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy and was then quoted by Jesus in the Gospels. The statement was simply this, man, people, men and women, humanity shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, the word is necessary for life. We cannot thrive without the word of God, but the word of God brings life. It brings joy. It makes us pause and go, huh, I never thought of it like that. It helps us to gain God's perspective on life. It deepens our hope and points out with gentle, sometimes a little bit deeper than gentle conviction when we're headed the wrong way. It's a GPS for life, and through it, we hear the voice of God, which in and of itself is amazing. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to breathe life into the the people of God. So... We're in the chapter, a chapter in the podcast that I've called Paul's Letters from Prison, the prison epistles, four letters, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. While Paul was in prison in Rome, he, he wrote these four letters to his friends. And even though he, he's waiting for sentencing, that, that's going to end up being a execution, martyrdom kind of sentence. He, he wrote these four letters to his friends, and they're not filled with what you might have thought would be the woe is me, this is so unfair prison talk. But instead, they're filled with some of the most glorious visions of the church, of our life, and especially of Christ. And the next verses in Ephesians 6 are all about the adversary who wants to keep us from Christ and keep us from being the kind of church that changes the world and who who literally wants to destroy our life. So I'm going to read the passage in Ephesians, but I'm actually going to set up our dive into spiritual battle. That's what we're talking about these next few episodes, by by looking at a story that Jesus told about a widow and an adversary. I just want you to know this is not just Paul. Jesus understood the battle. So let me start by reading Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Paul says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And let me stop for a moment, just my words. Again, picture Paul sitting in prison, captured by Rome, put put there by by enemies, by Jewish enemies uh, who, who are against Paul. And, and hear Paul say, we're, we're not battling against people. Verse 12, we're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing. You'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit at all times. 
on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers everywhere. We have an adversary and there's a battle. That's what Paul's saying. Simple. It's it's not a battle against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers of the unseen world, dark powers, evil spirits. We have an adversary and there's a battle. Well, one of my all-time favorite movies is Braveheart, Mel Gibson's movie on the life of the Scottish warrior poet William Wallace. Wallace was the hero, a hero who touched the heart of many, including Robert the Bruce. Robert the Bruce was a Scottish noble most remembered for betraying Wallace, but in reality, he later rose up to lead Scotland to freedom after Wallace's execution. Shortly before his death in 1329, Robert the Bruce, now King of Scotland, requested that his heart be removed from his body when he died, that his heart be removed from his body and taken on a crusade by a worthy knight. James Douglas, one of his best friends, was at his bedside and took on that responsibility. So the heart of the king was embalmed and placed in a small container that Douglas carried around his neck. Sounds kind of weird, but I love this story. The heart of the king was embalmed and placed in a small container that Douglas carried around his neck. He carried the heart of his king into every battle he fought until the early spring of 1330. In an ill-fated battle, Douglas found himself surrounded. Death seemed both certain and soon. And in that moment, Douglas reached for the heart, strapped around his neck, threw it deep into the enemy's ranks, and cried out to his men, fight for the heart of your king. Forward, brave heart. I will follow my king's heart or die. I got to tell you, that scene is closer to the truth of what it means to be a Jesus follower than most of our preferred pictures of comfort, material blessings, and security. C.S. Lewis once wrote, one of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament seriously was that it, it talks so much about a dark power in the universe, a mighty evil spirit who is held to be the power behind death and disease and sin, enemy-occupied territory, Lewis wrote. That's what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say landed in disguise, and is calling all of us to take part in a great campaign. In other words, Christmas was a point of cosmic invasion. Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness, battling against Satan was D-Day, and the world was at war. As the Apostle Paul says, this is not a battle against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. It's the epic battle between God and evil, between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. So if there's a spiritual battle, if a massive battle is taking place in the heavenlies, don't be confused when bad things happen to good people. It's war. Don't be so discouraged when we experience times of defeat and darkness in our spiritual lives. It's, it's actually part of the battle. When, when tensions developed in relationships, don't be caught off guard. It's the enemy's strategy to divide and conquer. Should be no surprise when we struggle sometimes to remember a good Christmas memory when, when it is a celebration that our enemy loves to hate. See, the gospel is an epic story, all the more epic because it's real. But, but every epic story involves a battle, and every battle has a villain because epic stories at the heart of the story of the battle between good and evil, right? You know, I think one of the great problems for our movement, the movement of Christianity today, is that for the last few decades, in our country at least, not, not necessarily globally, but, but here in the U.S., the invitation to follow Jesus is read more like a travel agency brochure than an enlistment campaign. 
we often hear some form of come follow Jesus and he'll lead you to the life of your dreams. Come follow Jesus and be happy. Life is easier in Jesus land. The sun always shines brighter in Jesus land. Smiles last longer in Jesus land. And rarely do we hear come follow Jesus. Enlist in the battle against evil for good. Come fight for the heart of your king or die trying. And yet our Jesus is on a hell-bashing, great deed-doing quest to cleanse the world of its demons, a quest to show people the heart of God, ready to do battle. This is not a a just-nice Jesus who shuffles along with head down. This is the untamed, undomesticated Jesus who will battle, who is battling for your heart. So I'm going to start our look at the spiritual battle outlined by Paul by starting with a story that Jesus told about an adversary and prayer. It's in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Luke begins with these words, and he told them, Jesus told them a parable to the effect for the purpose of that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So here are the thoughts that I'm putting together. This is so important. We we have an adversary, and there's a battle, and we should always pray. We have an adversary, and there's a battle, and we should always pray. We should always pray because we have an adversary, and there's a battle. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Always pray. Jesus starts this particular parable out with the why. I mean, you know, many times when when Jesus told a parable, he wouldn't give the meaning. He wouldn't tell the why. He wanted the listeners to grapple with the meaning without being fed the answers. But in this case, the why of the story is so important that Jesus tells it up front. Don't miss this. I'm going to tell you a story. And I want the story to always remind you of the fact that we should always pray and never give up. Never give up. You have an adversary. There's a battle. So always pray. You know, Jesus teaches this message on prayer all over the Gospels. Basically, he says, find something good to pray for and then don't stop. But it it is difficult sometimes, isn't it? I mean, we struggle with unanswered prayers. We're, We're sometimes disappointed with God. We struggle with people and circumstances staying the same no matter what we do or what we pray. I mean, ask yourself right now, where, where have I given up in prayer? What was I once praying for, but I I gave up? Maybe it's a person or a relationship or a grand dream or or a combination of small requests, but whatever it is, the point came where you just said, that's it, I'm done, I give up, no more prayer. You, You lost heart in the battle. And when we lose heart, prayer stops. Without prayer, there's no breakthrough in the battle, so don't lose heart Pray like it matters. That, that's Christ's message. Don't, don't lose heart. Pray like it matters. And listen, it matters. No matter how ruined you are, or how broken your family is, or how dark it seems out there, whatever you're, wherever you're looking for, for breakthrough, through, there's, there's always a place to start. And sometimes I think we hesitate to start because we want to know where we're going to end. The, the reality is that we rarely know where we'll end. I, I can't tell you how our broken stories are going to end. I can't tell you when breakthrough in the battle will come, but I can tell you where we have to start. We have to start with prayer. Prayer was like breathing to Jesus. Prayer is essential. We, we need to pray like it matters. There's a difference between believing that prayer is important and believing that prayer is essential, that the best of what our hearts hope for will not happen. The breakthrough will not come if we do not pray. And I'm preaching to myself right now. Oh, my goodness. 
So Jesus told the story of a woman who had an adversary and was looking for breakthrough in her own personal battle. And Jesus says, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused, but later he said to, my, said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect people, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. She will not, so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, there's some depth to this story that goes beyond just pray more. First of all, like the widow, we are desperate. We are desperate like the widow. A widow in Jesus' day was a person no one wanted to be. She was powerless. She had no money to speak of. Maybe a few widow's mites, less than a penny. It was likely that someone was trying to take advantage of her defenselessness. She had no protector. She had a a very low social standing. She was desperate. And you know, I bet 80% of us would say, we believe in prayer. We believe it's important. So why don't we pray? And, And I'm not talking about the occasional, if you have a moment, can you help me, God, prayers. I'm talking about Church of Acts prayer, where you could outline the life of the church by their prayer meetings. They they had a prayer meeting, and the church grew. They had a prayer meeting, and God renewed their courage. They, they had a prayer meeting, and, and wondrous miracles took place. They had a prayer meeting, and the fundamental realities of life were transformed. I'm talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about get your knees dirty wrestling in prayer. Sometimes people call it travailing prayer, grabbing God with intense desperation. I'm talking about helpless widow kind of prayer. See, I think our problem, I think the reason why we don't pray more (laughs) is because we lack a good conception of our great desperation. That's why we stop praying, because we we begin to think it's not worth it. I can do it better on my own. I'm, I'm not all that desperate, but we are more desperate than we know, and at least in part, probably a more major part than we want to acknowledge, We are desperate because we are severely outmatched in the battle for life. Because like the widow, we have an adversary. That was the conflict that produced the desperation. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to the judge saying, give me justice against my adversary. She had an adversary. She had an enemy. We have an adversary. We have an enemy. And I'm not not talking about your boss or your spouse or or the fool who cut you off in traffic. I'm not talking about an unfair teacher or political leader. I'm not talking about the neighbor who turns you in because your dog always barks at night. I'm, I'm not even talking about... Iran or Iraq or China or Russia. These are all minor adversaries. Paul says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers, against the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenlies. That's the adversary I'm talking about. In fact, the name Satan literally means adversary. I'm telling you, he has been against you from the moment you were conceived. He's the one who accuses you before God. He's the one who tempts you to opt for comfort instead of faith, for for control instead of surrender. He, He claws at love and he cuddles hate. He loves to shame you. He whispers all day long about how unworthy you are. He he uses trouble to discourage you. He plants the seeds of lies in your mind to, to make God look gray and sin look bright. 
And I'm telling you, on our own, we do not have a chance at justice over our adversary. See, this story, this teaching from Jesus, isn't just a teaching about prayer in general. It's spiritual battle prayer. Jesus is telling us, this is a prayer you should pray. Let me say that again. Jesus is telling us, this is a prayer you should pray all the time. Don't give up praying for justice over our adversary. God, would you give us justice over our adversary? Would you give us justice over the enemy of our souls? He's brought so much destruction, the destruction of souls, of families, of neighborhoods. God, would you give us justice? And and God says, cry out for justice over your adversary, and I will quickly answer. If God is not quickly answering, it's because we are not crying out for justice over our adversary. And the prayer that God will answer in the midst of the battle is, God, would you give me justice over my adversary? Now listen, this is so important, it's subtle, but it so often veers us off course when it comes to prayer. We're asking for justice in our relationship with Satan. He's our adversary. We're not asking for justice in our relationship with God. We're asking for mercy and grace in our relationship with God. See, I think sometimes we pray like we deserve an answer from God. Like we're entitled to whatever we want from God. And if God doesn't answer how we want and when we want it, he's not fair. And I'm, I'm telling you, I don't want fair from God. I'm, I'm desperate for grace. Every answer that God gives me is grace. But when it comes to our adversary, we're looking for justice. We're crying out for justice because our adversary is a liar and a cheat. He is a prideful, self-centered bully who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And here's the good news. Hear what the unrighteous judge says, Jesus says. And will not God give justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. The, the judge in this story is unrighteous, is immoral. He doesn't care about justice or the plight of the oppressed. He doesn't see people who live in the margins. He neither fears God nor respects people. He, he meets the widow's need because he is tired of her cries. But here's the point. Don't miss this. God is nothing like that judge. Unlike the judge, God is good. And unlike the widow, we are loved. And God's delight is prayer's fuel, but our desperation is the match. The goodness of God is fuel for persistent prayer, and desperation is the match that ignites the fuel. It is so difficult to grow in prayer if the realization of our desperation is not combined with faith in God's goodness. When he returns, will he find faith on the earth, Jesus said. In fact, the author O'Hallisby in his book on prayer writes this. He says, listen, my friend. Your helplessness is your best prayer. It calls from your heart to the heart of God with greater effect than all your uttered pleas. He hears from the moment that you're seized with helplessness, and he becomes actively engaged at once in hearing and answering. Listen to me. We have an adversary, and there is a battle. So pray. (laughs) Unlike the unrighteous judge, God is good. And unlike the widow, you are loved. And so we cry out, I'm, I'm asking you, would you join me in crying out in the days to come? God, would you give us justice over our adversary? Would you give us justice over the adversary of our souls, the enemy of our community, the one who, who lies to us and steals and kills and destroys? Would you give us justice? Pray in the Spirit at all times, Paul says, and on every occasion. 
Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. God, I pray for every person listening. Oh, Father, we we have an adversary and there's a battle. And some of us have lost heart. We've quit praying. God, I, I, I pray for each and every person listening. Would you strengthen their hearts? Would you encourage their hearts? Would you draw them to prayer? Would you would you cause us, many of us, to join together, whether it's 50 or 100 or 200, God, would you cause us to join together in crying out to you from this place, from our places, crying out to you for justice over our adversary. God, give us justice over the adversary, the enemy of our souls. God, would you bring revival? Would you bring a move of of grace to every neighborhood where we live? God, would you give us justice over our adversary? We, We lift up our cries. We lift up our prayers to you. You are a good God. Jesus, we thank you that you are greater than than any enemy that we have in the world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Pour your spirit out upon us. Give us victory in the battle. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.